Welcome back to Philosophy of the Barber. Today's guest is Andrew Lavasser, owner of the Alton Barbershop in Alton, New Hampshire. He has been a licensed barber for eight years. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Bree. It's nice to be here. Long time no see. It's I been know. a little while. Yeah, it's tough with the uh, the COVID this year to see each other and get haircuts. And well, and family and life and yep, exactly. things get in the way. So Andrew, as I said, owns the Alton Barbershop, and he is not too terribly far from my shop. About a uh, half hour. Yeah, less than 25 minutes, just about three towns over. I'm at the southern half of Lake Winnipesaukee, and you're just about right in the middle. Now, Alton, I would say, is definitely its its own unique creature, um, away from the big whole city of Laconia. Uh, so how did you decide to be a barber in Alton? Well, I had just finished barber school, and uh, my local barber shop, Jerry's Barbershop, um, he was looking for someone to take over for the winners when he went to go be a snowbird. So I came in one September day with my legs shaking, and I was so nervous, and I asked this man who had been barbering at the time for 45 years um, if he needed someone to work for him, and he said yes in about two seconds. <laughs> and um, so I started working there for him. Uh, I started working in the afternoons, and then... Um, over time, I started taking over more shifts at the barbershop, and he started going to Florida longer and longer. And now, after eight years, I'm a full owner of the Alton Barbershop. Now, that's a, a really, I would say, comfortable transition, the amount of time that that took and how things, like, naturally shifted. Did you guys, like, find any major bumps in the road with, like dealing with one another? Um, not at all. We are perfectly suited business partners. Uh, he is just as laid back as I am, um, and it's been a wonderful to work with him and learn from him. He's got now 57 years of barbering experience, and he was a great mentor and a, really my best friend. Um, I really learned a lot from him. It's almost a little on the bittersweet side to see him make the trip down to Florida forever. Yeah, he um, he's officially retired as of last week. Uh, we made the local paper on the front page, which was pretty great. Uh, he started barbering in 1964, actually here in Laconia. Nice. Yeah, he worked, Back when we had a ton of barbershops. Yeah, he worked in Laconia for 10 years, and um, from 1964 to 1974, and then he moved to Alton in 74, 75. He's been there ever since. I've heard stories of the barbers that have come in and out of Laconia over <laughs> the decades. <laughs> I kind of wish I would have been around in the heyday of seeing Carol's Barbershop here. Oh, Carol's. <laughs> the six-chair shop in the big city. Oh, gosh. But, all right, so since we're starting off on a little different foot than what we usually do, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about how you decided to join the ranks of the barbers. <laughs> um... I really needed a job, and um, I really didn't really want to go to college. I wasn't very suited for a traditional education. I had tried uh, landscaping. I had tried parks and rec work with the town of Wolfboro. Um, I had tried construction. I had tried gas station attendant. Just about every single manual labor job that you can get without a degree. It's very New Hampshire native of you. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, one of my jobs was a Zamboni driver for the town of Wolfboro. That was fun. 
Sadly seasonal. Sadly very seasonal. And I had come to the point where I was just about 22, and I was working with all these construction workers who were in their late 40s, and they were all so beat up, and their knees were broken, and they were just just looked so old and sad. And I was like, I got to get an actual career. <laughs> and uh, this girl I was hanging out with at the time, she was actually interested in barber school, and me being a young 20-year-old followed suit. And went on a tour of New England School of Barbering and fell in love with it. And I said, you know what? Send it. Let's go. <laughs> School's only eight months and it's pretty affordable. So yeah, that's how I became a barber. <laughs> and for the audience, Andrew is uh, a graduate of New England School of Barbering, like many of our previous guests, as well as myself. Um, fairly often, we do like to reminisce on the... Uh, unique experience that we had in barber school because yeah. it is not the typical not at one bit at all but it was wonderful <laughs> i loved so, all the students and i loved the teachers as well so um what's like one of your most traumatic because we don't cover tr trauma a lot uh on this the show but like what was your most traumatic thing to happen to you in barber school because everybody's got one. Oh man um i was going way beyond my skills at the time and I was razor cutting this guy's hair and I put about a golf ball size hole in the back of his head right down to the scalp and I just like stand back and I was like oh boy this is gonna be bad I look over at Mr. C and he comes over and his eyes just lit up like oh what did you just do and I just stood there like shaking in my boots and uh, I, there was no way of fixing it, not at all, unless he wanted like a, a really high skin fade on this very old man with curly hair. And we talked to him about it, and he said he was totally fine with this gigantic hole in the back of his head. So he left, and I was a little ashamed and a little embarrassed, but I learned from it not to do, uh, not to do comb over razor after that for a few months. <laughs> Did, did he end up coming back? I don't really remember. It was a, a long time ago. It was so traumatic that I just blocked it out. I blocked it out. I don't remember the man's face. Uh, <laughs> God, I, I don't I, remember if I was there for that. I remember that story being passed along the school. Oh, yeah. I don't remember if I was there that day. And I can totally remember the back of this guy's head and that big golf ball size hole in it. And just, oh my gosh, being 22 and just like, what did I just do? That's, that's... It's it's like when the first time you cut somebody's ear, hopefully the only time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I, I I cut somebody's ear. I was working at Sergeant's Barbershop in Chichester at the time. My my first year yeah, in the profession. I, I remember I remember the shop well. <laughs> and this was an older customer who was on Coumadin. Oh boy. Thankfully, though, I don't know how I pulled this off. Like. I just like given him a V snip on oh. on the top part of his ear, so it didn't like all the way close, <laughs> thankfully, or fold. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Um, and I was able to like apply pressure quickly enough that it barely bled at all. Oh, that's awesome! I was like, yes, for clotting, yes. And I was so so apologetic. Uh, you feel so guilty. Oh, so guilty. Especially when you physically hurt someone. Like I mean, it's one thing if you you know screw up their haircut and it's like, oh, I feel bad because I screwed up your haircut. But it's like when you harm someone, it's like, <gasps> mm. oh, I'm sorry. 
Uh, yeah, I have not cut an ear yet in eight years. Oh, all right. Well, proud to say, but I have ta- I have taken off many skin tags with my straight <laughs> razor. Um, and usually they're all pretty cool about it. Like, hey, dude, I just took off that skin tag. They're like, oh, that's been there for 30 years. I've been wanting to take that off. So thank you. <laughs> they do bleed very, very much, though. Yes. I, I've maybe taken off a few of the super tiny ones that you can't even see. Oh, yeah. With a trimmer. <laughs> but, yeah. The big ones bleed. Oh, yeah. It's like taking a mole off. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm uh, Yeah. Good thing we know blood spill procedures. Oh, gosh. All right. So you basically went from barber school to working at Jerry's shop. And what's the clientele like? Because despite the fact that we're so close together, I feel like we grab from very different spots. Oh, yeah. We had to run two totally different barber shops. Um, Alton is very blue collary and very retiree over the age of 60. Um, a lot of rich r- rich dudes who have retired in Alton because there's low taxes and there's a lake and it's beautiful and a lot of small town contractors and landscapers and people who own their own businesses and really not much city folk at all. Very country which I like. I don't know how many people where they're listening from but um when we say country we don't mean southern no not at all (laughs) Uh, new hampshire has its own little brand of country that's for sure it's more like a backwoods yeah it's a it's a nice combination of like you know got the lake wimbasaki vibes of the tourist and then you also got like the nice blue collar dudes who have lived in new hampshire their whole life and they just want a nice basic haircut nothing fancy as long as the details are on point and it's a, an affordable price they're they're happy to keep coming back well and that's the that's ultimately why anybody seeks out a barber is like they want a low maintenance haircut that's gonna look as good as it can for as long as humanly possible with little to no work on their part yep exactly and if, if that's what you want to give people man become a barber yeah I mean, most of my clientele, wear, they wear baseball caps all day, and they're really only worried about their sideburns, their eyebrows, and their back of their neck, and they make, they have, make their wife happy. And that, the wings. That's it. And the wings. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and their neck hair. Oh, let's not forget the eyebrows. <laughs> Gotta get the eyebrows. <laughs> my wife keeps attacking me with tweezers. You know, and after eight years of barbering, I don't even ask for eyebrows. I just do them now. I just to take full responsibility of cutting them for everyone in my clientele. <laughs> <laughs> I will still ask because I do have those that are very particular. Yeah. And you know what? I would rather ask and not have to worry about them like jerking away from my trimmer <laughs> suddenly. <laughs> Always put my comb up to the eyebrow going, yeah. eyebrows? Do you want one or two done? <laughs> <laughs> would you like one or two when you walk yeah. out? I love doing the uh, unibrows of teenagers, and they just haven't quite mastered the art of grooming yet. And you're like, you just you look at them and like, buddy, you you really need to fix that unibrow. And they're like, they're kind of scared and they're kind of embarrassed, but you fix it and they feel better about themselves. And it's always always a positive. Well, because you know that's something they're looking in the mirror at. They're like, I see it, yeah. but I have no idea what to do about it. like nobody's had that conversation with me i don't know any of my friends that have dealt with it like this is not a conversation anybody's had (laughs) 
and now with COVID and everyone wearing masks, like all these teenagers probably have like these really bad mustaches and, and oh. no one's doing anything about them. I will say that when I get somebody, it happened the other day, who hasn't had a haircut in like three or four months, but they have that ability to grow a wicked sideburn, Yeah. <laughs> but not like a dark sideburn. It's like the peach fuzz sideburn. Yeah, I will. I will unloop that sucker and be like, "So we're gonna go to your jawline and clean it all up." <laughs> Mom's gonna be so happy. Fix everything. <laughs> so I want to know, like, what you, what struggles have you uh, gone through? Because I mean, eight years, you gotta go through ups and downs, and you know, obviously, life happens. We we learn things, we get bored, and all that stuff, but like. What have you dealt with uh, from the beginning of being a barber to, to now? Because, I mean, we haven't been – we've been barbering for, you know, eight, nine years. It's not a Both long of time us. in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, getting my – getting the clientele in Alton to accept me as the barber and not the other barber. Especially at, at 22. Yeah, especially at 22. <laughs> um, the, you know, the guy I was working with, Jerry, he had been there since 1974, and he had established this rapport with everyone in town. Well, he was also like a basketball coach, right? Yeah, he coached basketball for th- almost 35 seasons. He knew everyone and everything and everyone's grandma and grandson and everything, and I was this new fresh kid in town who didn't know diddly. And getting people to um, establish a rapport with me and have conversations and tell me these things about town. And I think that was really my biggest hurdle. It probably took me five years. To break through the wall? To break through the wall of everyone. Whoa. Just about five years. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, it was. But, you know, Jerry was also, you know, coming back for the summers. So he would go to the, he would, he would leave for Florida in December and come back at the beginning of May. So I would work both shifts, um, his shift in the morning and my shift in the afternoon. And then, you know, um, over the time, Jerry got older and his skills, barbering skills, definitely downgraded a lot. And I finally got all of his clientele because they all accepted like, oh, wow, this, this young kid is, is a much better barber now. Um, he definitely cannot tell a story like Jerry did, but he does do a better haircut. <laughs> well, and especially when you have that much time invested in somebody. I mean, not only do we build rapport, but like, we basically build like... I would say two-thirds of a friendship. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. We may not you know, go out and hang out with these people, but we spend an awful lot of time with them on a very regular basis. Yeah, and I'm very close to your face. <laughs> like, I know you very well. Very. <laughs> Intimately. Yeah, like, I, I know your wife's name. I know where your kids go to college. I know, like, your likes and your dislikes. And I know, I know so much about you. I only visit you 30 minutes every month. Well, and, like, we make a point to remember those things. Yeah. Like, we care about those things. If we didn't, we wouldn't, like, remember them. Um, I always get complimented on my memory of, for my clients. Like, how did you remember that my kid went to Dartmouth, like, 20 years ago? I'm like, I, I have no idea. It's up there somewhere. I cannot even remember my own phone number, but I can remember <laughs> that. Well, I think it's such a – it's an audio as well as visual connection because, like – we're seeing these people. We're connecting it to the work that we're doing. Yep. Like we've got a physical task that we're doing, looking at your head and your face, and we're talking to you. Like that's three ways of being able to remember something. Yeah. Um, I usually don't remember my clients' names, but I do remember like where they live in town or their jobs or what kind of truck they drive. Like, oh, yeah, that guy's red truck Chevy. He's an electrician. 
That's all I know, but I don't even know his name. That's flat top Mike. Yeah, flat top uh. Mike. <laughs> uh, there was a client in the shop one day when Jerry was working, and I didn't remember his name. And Jerry had this great rapport with the guy, and, and the customer left. And I asked Jerry, I'm like, Jerry, do you remember that guy's name? And he's like, I've been cutting his hair for 35 years, and I still don't know his name. And I just started laughing so hard. Because at that point, you can't ask. No, you can't. You can't. (laughs) Which is why I love the appointment system, is that it is the savior of names. (laughs) Until you deal with the person whose wife always makes the appointment. So it's the wife's name. And you're like, I know your last name. Yeah, there's so many clients that I call buddy or chief or like champ or like, hey, guy, what's up? Because I just, I don't remember your name. Yeah, uh, I, I will stick with uh, the only times I need to say names or something as replacement for name is like when I first welcome them into my back room. Yeah. It's like, come on back, my friend. Yep. Friend is also very used <laughs> in my shop as well. <laughs> Kids, I will I will buddy and, oh, yeah. and, yep. and dude the crap out of, but... Uh, yeah, adults, I, I'll always revert back to sir if necessary. Yeah. Because then it's just like, respect. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Um, I, f- I feel like, what, have I been to your shop like twice? Yeah. <laughs> I've been to your shop like maybe five times, so it's fun. Um. So on the practical end of things, because um, this is also something I don't think I've asked too many people, uh, how is it dealing, because you guys rent your space, right? Yeah, correct. So how is it dealing with the, the changeover of landlords? Because I know you've had that in the past, and I've dealt with that in the past, and also with me moving. Um, because your shop is such a staple, has that really like helped you when it comes to like negotiating rent or... like? getting stuff like negotiated for fixing stuff because i mean everybody's leases are different but how's that been working with different landlords so when jerry first started the shop there was this owner and um they had a handshake agreement there was no lease there was no month-to-month contract i mean this was this was the 70s and 80s you know they were just two small towns dudes making a making a business deal so that that went on from um, just about until the, I don't know, probably 2015 when the building got sold. The original owner sold it. And um, actually the owner of the pizza place that's in my building, he bought the building. And he's been a great landlord, actually. He raised our rent $25. Mm. Um, he doesn't bother me. I don't bother him. He respects my space. He respects me. Um, he won't fix anything in my shop. But the amount of rent that I pay, like I can just fix it myself. Um, I've actually had no problems with my landlord. <laughs> nice. Sounds like you've had a pretty sweet deal there. Just like everybody's so chill. Yeah, it's it's really nice. You know, I, I'm I'm a very laid back person, and I don't don't want to deal with drama. I don't want to deal with landlord stuff. So just just let it slide. You know, it's not worth it. it. Really isn't. Now I do remember over the years when we've talked once in a while. Um, at one point, you were kind of getting a little bored with the profession. Yeah, I was just I was getting bored, really, with just the barbershop. Um, you know, it's it's a small town shop, and it's just me and the barbershop, just a one chair. And sometimes things get a little boring. But I I, I passed over it, and um, I feel better about it. Um, though with COVID has been a, a new challenge, 
of, you know, I, I've lost a fair amount of business. A lot of my clientele are older and they are scared to go out and they're scared to make appointments. Um, you know, they're, they're still getting haircuts, but their haircut schedule has changed. You know, they're not coming in every, every three weeks to a month. They're coming in every three months and they're getting the shortest haircut they can get. Um, and that's, that's been tough. It's been a lot of slow days and a lot of low numbers. Um, but I'm really glad that I have very low overhead and it's just me in the shop and I just have to worry about me and not any other employees. That is, um, I mean, it's a struggle everybody's having. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you is because I can, I can imagine how many people are experiencing, but also could in the future experience that, you know, the reality of when you are a one chair shop, like there are pros and cons. Oh yeah. It's just me. Like if I need a day off or if I need to go get my kid a daycare or anything, like I've got to close the shop and I'm not making any money that day. It's tough. But on the other side, like I don't have to deal with anyone other than myself. Um, I don't have to deal with employees. I don't have to deal with a boss. It's just me. I'm in charge of my own destiny, which I really enjoy. Well, and even the whole atmosphere, like um, I've always come to the shop at least an hour before we open. Like that's just since it opened, it's worked out that way. So I've always had a, a need to kind of like lay out my energy for the day uh, and like establish, all right, this is my space. Like I know where things are. Things are being done. They are the way they're needing to be. Uh, as an owner, that's very important to me. And as the type of person I am, that's important uh, so that I'm comfortable in the place that I work. Whether I'm the owner or not, like this needs to be a space that I feel comfortable in. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but that's, it's important to, to take ownership of your space, especially when you're the only one that you're fighting with. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so working with my business partner, he had established this decor in his barbershop for so long, and it was not my vibe at all. And I have been in his shop with all his decorations and all of his things and trinkets for eight years now. And the keys just got handed over to me last week. And I've been thinking about redecorating for eight years now. And um, I just took the first steps last week of taking down all of his decorations and filling in all the putty holes and taking all the scotch tape off the walls and really making the space my own. So I'm very excited for that. Are you going to keep the hunting wall? Oh, it's all gone. All gone? It's all gone. Whoa. Um, so my business partner had a one whole side of the barbershop was all hunting photos from all of his clientele from the last 40 years. And they were all like scotch taped together and they're all layered differently in different varying forms. And it was impressive. You know, it really was. It was quite a, the collage. It was quite the collage of just memories and stories and just great barbershop vibes. You know, there was generations of of clientele on this wall and i'd been looking at it for eight years just could not wait to rip it all down <laughs> and last week i got the very and very great enjoyment of doing it i feel like part of me would that part of me is just super mean and sadistic uh i go but that would be like your vegan repellent yeah, there was, there was a lot of moms who would come in who had never really been to Alton before. They were summer residents or just traveling through, and they'd walk into the shop, and they would see all these hunting photos, and they would just 
instantly turn their nose up at me like where am i i'm not in a i'm not in a, a very safe spot but you know you do your best to make people feel comfortable and you know try to really your best at great conversation and at the end of the day they they feel happy you know but it definitely did deter a, a few a few a few people <laughs> And you know what? Depending on the type of clientele that you want, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it has everything to do with who you want to see every day. You know what? The the best piece of advice I got from Jerry was you are not going to make everyone happy and do not try to. It's just, it's too much of a pain in the butt. Oh yeah. It's wasted energy. Yeah, exactly. What, what the great thing is, is especially when you're done redecorating is actually feeling confident in who you will be deterring with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And go, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> this is my style and my energy. And if you don't like it, well, you can go find another barbershop. That's fine with me. Have, have you ever uh, like seen any of our negative reviews for the shop? Uh, once in a great while, I will look at negative reviews for other barbershops. So I tend to reply to the <laughs> negative reviews. Have you ever seen any of my replies? I have not. All right, so typically... Somewhere within the reply, because I try to be as very tactful as possible. Um, <laughs> he rolls his eyes. Uh, I, I will at some point in there, you know, always thank them for their feedback and uh, hope that they find their ideal barbershop experience. Because, like, whether or not you enjoyed my experience or whether or not the negative review was legitimate, uh, you know, I still want people to find their ideal barbershop because I'm not going to be everybody's ideal. And I don't want to be everybody's ideal. That is way too much pressure. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Uh, (laughs) But I still want them to find it. Yeah. And hey, if you've already found it, why are you coming to me? Keep going to your same guy you've been going to for 30 years. It works. Like if you're, quote, in a pinch, you could probably wait. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, why are you leaving your original guy? You know? Yeah. I was I was looking at one of the one of our old negative reviews and they were talking about uh, they went to a shop that's not far from here like one town over, and I was like, well the why why did you come here? <laughs> I'm glad you found them and please by all means I hope you continue to enjoy your time with them. I had a, a client yesterday. Um, I hadn't seen him for about a month and a half. And he's been a great client for about three years now. And as soon as he walked in the door, he's like, Andrew. I'm sorry I cheated on you. And I just instantly just smiled and laughed. I'm like, dude, it's okay. And he told me the whole story about getting a terrible haircut in Algonquin, Maine. <laughs> and it was just a riot. And, you know, at the end of the haircut, he's like, man, I'm sorry I cheated on you. I should have came back. He's like, no, man, it's okay. It was totally worth the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. I have so many customers that during lockdown especially – that was like one of the things I was looking forward to when I, we opened back up was seeing what people did. Oh my God, the haircuts were great. They really were great. Well, and it's like you, you got one of two camps. You have the camp that uh, just let it grow. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Which, hey, you know, your choice. Like I don't fault anybody for doing whatever makes them feel better, especially during this year. Like... Did you feel better afterwards? All right, then that's all that matters. Great. Because it grows back and we can fix anything. Uh, <laughs> and then the other camp of, they did something, but we had two months. So oh, yeah. it was the end of month one when they did it. And then they had another month to have it grow back. 
so it was fun like combing through things going okay hmm. yep you cut your temples but you left the back real long yep. and then you cut your bangs like or you uh, get it, the forest gump bowl yeah oh yeah or just like straight buzz cut that happens a lot a lot of those a lot of buzz cuts of I, I gave myself a buzz cut you know during Same, lockdown but i was also rocking a buzz cut during the winter yeah. so kind of worked out <laughs> Yeah, there was there was a fair amount of haircuts. A, a lot of my older clientele just didn't cut their hair. Yeah, and they they a lot of them said like I haven't had this long hair since the seventies, and some of them kept it and they were like, yeah, I kind of like exactly. it longer. Yeah, and a lot of guys are like, dude, that my my wife likes my longer hair, so let's keep it long. I'm like, all right, let's do it. We'll just clean it up and make it look like a haircut now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think but, that's that's one of the cool things about this year. Silver lining here, is that. People are a lot more willing to try new things. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because they don't have much of a choice. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, also, there, uh, there's been so many hairy ears. Oh. And so many large eyebrows this year and nose hairs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just the amount of ear hair I've cleaned out this year is, is just too much. Too much. <laughs> well, you know, guys didn't get haircuts for like, you know, three months and they don't have ear trimmers, you know, and they, aren't, they ain't cutting it with scissors at home. Oh, it was bad. I feel like we need emergency kits to give wives. Because <laughs> they're the ones that suffer. Oh, the yeah, guys don't know any better. Know, they don't care. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got such a, I don't want to say Mayberry. It's not quite that. It's pretty close. It's pretty well, close. Mayberry-esque yeah. uh, situation in Alton. Do you just see yourself... Rocking the one chair status until you decide to find a, a young buck to pass it on to, the way Jerry did. Um, yeah, I think I want to keep barbering until uh, my daughter is past high school. She just turned four this week. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Time flies. Time does fly. Um, so I think I'm gonna keep rocking the single chair shop for a while. Um, I hopefully will make it over this COVID mess, and my shop will be back to normal, walking only. Um. And I'm going to keep barbering until at least another um, 15 years. Oh, is that it? All right. Yeah, another 15, you know? If she goes to college. <laughs> yeah, she goes to college. Then <laughs> I think I might reassess my life. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really do like the single chair shop, but there's definitely pros and cons to it, like we talked about earlier. Well, speaking of one of the cons, obviously the whole like, it's kind of hard to get out and see your fellow barbers getting in, haircuts. in various capacities. Yeah. <laughs> getting a haircut. As a barber is very a, tough. The, the one barber in town is like, huh, <laughs> how do I do this? Uh, so actually I got a haircut this week from my uh, fellow barber, Chad. He's down in Farmington, New Hampshire. He runs Blue Collar Barbers. Um, I had a, a kid-free evening on Tuesday. Um, so I called him up and I was, you know, I was like, hey, man, I need a haircut. And he's like, oh, I do too. Let's trade haircuts. So I went down to his shop in Farmington and cut his hair, and we bullshitted and drank beers for about an hour, and he cut my hair, and it was a great trade. No offense, but I feel like you got the easier end of the deal. Oh, for sure. <laughs> he's, he's got a very easy haircut, <laughs> and mine's a little tougher. <laughs> Andrew's well endowed in the hair department. <laughs> and Chad is not. No. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. <laughs> but you know what? I'd say Chad has a great beard. Yes, yes, he does. Whatever he lacks up top, he makes up for on the chin. <laughs> so, in that same vein, like how how difficult do you find it, like 
finding further education, like ways to diversify your skills? I know there's not a ton of like diversity when it comes to your clientele and what they're necessarily asking for, but I imagine once in a while you'll have somebody pop in and go, give me a sick mullet. You know what? I've got a guy who comes in on um, Thursday afternoons about once a month who has a wonderful mullet. See? And uh, I really enjoy doing it because I don't get to do it that often. Right? Yeah. Um, it took me a few times to really get the knack down because I just don't do it very often. Um, I watched a few YouTube videos, got a few inspirations, and uh, we figured it out, and he really enjoys it. Nice. But yeah. Definitely, YouTube has definitely been good for... I guess a little more popular haircuts these days and, you know, haircuts uh, for people under the age of 30. Because <laughs> they are still a thing. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that's one thing. I mean, here at Polish and Proper, we have the virtue of having a staff that we can stagger on days. But um, having access to continuing education is, it's always been a difficult thing in the barbering area of New Hampshire. Because everything is, like, if it's not in Massachusetts, then it's not in New England. Yeah, not at all. And we only have one barber school here in New Hampshire, so. Well, now, technically, <laughs> we have two. We have barber school, the New England School of Barbering, and then we have Empire Beauty School, which has a barber program, which is flourishing. It's good. I, I follow quite a few of their current students on Instagram. Uh, and we have to give them their due credit for mm. adding to yep. the... 3,000 barbers we have in the state now. 3,000. That's impressive. Compared to the, like, 1,000 we had. Yeah, when we started. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, uh, with that being said, like, we have had a major resurgence in the last decade. Like, do you see, like, more shops going to be popping up in the next five to ten years? Because, I mean... There's only so many chairs in the shops we got right now. Yeah. Um, from Luckily for me, Alton has no real estate available on Main Street. Um, there is, I think, seven hair salons in the town of Alton. Wow. Seven. And I am the only actual barber shop. Um, there's a, a newer gal who just opened up down the street. She does men and women's hairs. And you know what? I... I give her credit. She she took some of my clientele during this COVID thing, but it's totally understandable. Um, I don't see many shops opening up in Alton just because of those factors. And I've also, you know, we've established this shop. It's been there since 1974, and people know about it. And they're going to tell their kids, and they're going to tell their grandparents. And word of mouth spreads pretty, pretty fast in a small town. I really kind of hope, though, that people start to migrate a little further north. Because, like, those towns need a barber yeah. in town. Definitely. Because, I mean, I'm sure you get people from uh, Wolfboro and Moultonboro because they're just around the lake. Yeah, so I, I, I pull from um, Wolfboro, New Durham, Gilmington, Barnstead, um, sometimes Moultonboro, sometimes Guilford. So, and there's really not too many barbershops in my area. <laughs> And being in New Hampshire, everything is 45 minutes away. Everything. Everything. Because there's lakes in the way. Yeah. You have to go around bodies of water. <laughs> yeah, and the same with us where our clientele, like, we, we draw from several counties. Like, we'll get people from Bristol yeah. to Wolfboro to 
I used to draw from Raymond. Thankfully, they've moved a little bit closer. That's now good. they're in Chichester. <laughs> but even even Chichester's like not that far down the road from you. No, not at all. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to like having more. I want more barbershops in places. And like, it's more like cities. Yeah. New Hampshire is like 11 cities, right? Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> For those of you outside of New England, New Hampshire has exactly 11 cities. Everything else is a town. Mm-hmm. Like, Laconi is the only city in Belknap County. Yeah, yeah, correct. So, like, a town can easily support one, maybe two barbers. Yeah, we've got uh, Alton has a population of like 5,500. Um,. But in the summertime, we triple or quadruple our population. Same. Yeah. yeah. Laconia has like 16,000 because we're the bustling metropolis. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it can it can triple easily in the summer, which is like opposite of Florida. And I don't understand this. Why don't we have barbers that work here in the summer and then go work in Florida in the winter? Because I, they're busy in the winter in yeah, Florida. I would love to do that as like an older older barber if i ever get the chance to just be a snowbird barber yes because then you'd keep your clientele yeah exactly they're all moving down south anyways they would be so excited except for the fact that they would have to like live in the same community down there yeah they're gonna have to create like an alton co-op and be like all right so everybody just buy outside of clearwater (laughs) (laughs) what about tampa how does everybody feel about tampa oh man (laughs) just go work in an over 55 community you just you'd break it in you really would. Down there, they're cities amongst themselves. Oh, yeah. They have supermarkets in those little communities. Everybody just lives on golf carts. That'd be great. Have a have a mobile golf cart barbershop. Sweet. Oh, I don't even know what I would do in, living in a state that allowed mobile barbers. <laughs> I don't think I could take it. Because I see so many cool things on Instagram. Do yeah. you see the things that are like the retrofitted vans? Yeah, yeah. They're traveling around doing haircuts. They are neat. <laughs> other states other states <laughs> oh new england we're just so I, I don't even know what the word is <laughs> quaint quaint old-timey stuck in our ways salty it's got pros and cons yeah, right it's got pros and cons <laughs> we like our state debates on whether or not we should like have licenses for things yeah exactly. the, do we do we want to be free that that happened when we were in barber school do you remember? It, it's the... happened like four times since we were in barber oh, school. Yeah, we had a, a libertarian state rep who was proposing to get rid of the barber license in the state. And um, the owner of the barber school, Mr. C, he invited him to the barber school to give him a, what would, it, was like a it was like a demonstration on what barbers do and why we need licensing and why we need education. I, 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 conv- I mean, the bill didn't go through, so... What I remember, like, because I remember we took a field trip to the state school to talk to the committee and to testify to them as to why it's stupid to do away with regulation of our profession specifically going. Even the president of Barbicide was there. Oh, yeah. Which was like, yeah, okay. Um, And I remember Mr. C went up to testify and a bunch of other people did too. And it was like, you need to understand that what we do has way more to do with safety of the public than it does with cutting hair. Oh, yeah. Like, let me talk to you about blood spill procedures and microbiology and, like, properties and disorders of the skin and hair. Like, 
It was a lot. But I remember specifically, there was a graduate of New England School of Barbering who was a state rep. I think he was a state rep in Lee. Okay. Don't quote me on that. But I also, but he was a licensed barber from NESOB. And there was like this agreement that went around the state house because the libertarian guy had like a crazy curly fro yeah, was, um, and a burly beard. Uh, Seth Cohen. That was his name. Yeah. Seth, Seth Cohen. Yep. So that agreement was made because they were on different ends of the political spectrum that if the bill passed, Seth would get his hair cut by an unlicensed person. <laughs> but if it failed, he would get his hair cut by a licensed barber. But the caveat was that it had to be Lee. Oh gosh, that's awesome. Um, and Lee was older at that point. Like he didn't, he wasn't actively barbering. He was spending all of his time at, you know, yeah. doing state rep stuff. Uh, but so the, the bill failed and they came to New England school of barbering and Seth came and Lee did like the, the promotional, like little snip snip here, you know, for the photo op. But Mr. C got to have like a ton of fun. And like, I remember that he, haircut. he brought over like hedge clippers <laughs> and like just all these power tools that he has. It was like a cut your, like an unlicensed person cut your hair with anything. Right. Yep. And he did half of his face do you remember that like yeah. the whole one half of his head the beard the hair everything done completely and the other half was totally just him the way he was <laughs> and it was a fantastic photo op yeah, that was really good that was a good memory from barber school <laughs> i had i'd almost forgotten about that yeah me too <laughs> i find that when very passionate barbers are in their element very fun things can happen. Oh, for sure. Great conversations, great energy, um, great laughs, too. Absurdity. As, yeah, as you can tell by our laughter for the last half an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. So for some backstory for the listeners, um, we are currently sitting in my recording area, the basement of the shop, uh, after a very, very, very long Thursday yeah. of work. Agreed. On both of our ends. Yep. <laughs> We've had a day. It is 2020, yep. and we've had a day, and this is just before the election, because this will not air until after the election. Um, Ooh, man, it's been heated. So, just understanding what you're listening to in the point in time. Boy, and every every customer I've had in my chair recently, like this week, has brought up something. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's not even like a partisan thing. They're just bringing up like, can we be done? Yeah, can we? Be, yeah, th that is the biggest comment I get is, "Can we be done with this?" I'd be so glad when this is over. Um, a funny thing about politics and being a barber is, you really have to stay in the middle as a barber. You have to be the devil's advocate. You really can't promote your opinion because you're going to lose business. Um, you really have to accept everyone and their opinions. And um, a lot of my older clientele think I'm a, a Republican, and a lot of my younger clientele think I'm a Democrat. And I have never told them my opinions at all. They just come to assume this. And I think it's just hilarious. <laughs> I feel like that's me and like my persuasion. Yeah. People just assume. Uh, <laughs> I have found great comfort in my ability to have a conversation of merit with people on political subjects without anybody leaving angry. Like that's always yep. my goal is, you know, 
offering alternative perspective so that whoever I'm talking to understands something other than their perspective. I oh, totally agree. Um, I, I pride myself on having a respectful conversation about politics in the barbershop. And it's actually been kind of nice being um, appointment only now, and there's only one person in the shop. I've had deeper conversations with my clients, and I have had more time to actually get into the nitty-gritty about what they feel and what they think about things. And I've been, I've been definitely saying more of my views uh, during one-on-one haircuts than it was before when it was just walk-in only. Now you know why I have my own yeah. room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's just way more meaningful conversation because you don't have to worry about yes. whether or not somebody who's hearing your conversation is going to be upset over it. Yep, exactly. It's it's really therapeutic. Yeah, but you know what? I miss that walk-in only. I really do. I I do like some of my customers or some of my barbers um, do do miss the walk-ins. I I really just miss the social aspect of it. You know, I miss. Um, I have a small shop and there's six waiting chairs. And some days they'd, they'd be all full and there'd be guys ranging, ranging from 20 years old to 80 years old. And they're all talking and sharing stories and interacting with each other and sharing their experiences. And I loved listening to that. And now it's gone and I miss it every day. But it is, it is definitely that nice change. Like it's yeah. not necessarily something you would permanently want to convert to. Definitely. But um, having a change of pace to kind of cultivate your relationships in a different way with your clientele yep. is, I think, a great opportunity to make a more well-rounded, more uh, firm connection. That, like, the ones who stay with you through this are the ones that stay with you oh, until yeah. they're dead. Yeah, for sure. Like, yep. whoever dies first, you or them. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, I mean, that's great. Yeah, it is great. Yeah, I've definitely bonded with um, a lot of my clientele pretty pretty well this year um, with, with the COVID haircuts and a lot of them came to see me when it was lockdown as well and I'm very thankful for that I was I'm very thankful for people that bought gift cards during lockdown yeah I, I tried the gift card thing in Alton but no one really knows how to use the computer in Alton <laughs> so a lot of folks just like dropped envelopes off uh, at the barbershop with cash so that was pretty nice <laughs> See, I feel like you operate in a different time just because of the dynamic of your town. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, we, we have to be a little more, I mean, five barbers, a lot, oh, yeah. lot of clientele, like, yeah. and coordination. So, it's just a different animal. Yeah, totally, for sure. But it works so well for you there that don't mess with something that ain't broken. Yeah, it's been working since 1974. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep on running it as best as I can. Consistency. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that uh, I think one of the perks of being a barber right now, in 2020 specifically, is that we've had the opportunity to reassure a lot of people. Yeah, that everything's going to be okay. Well, and that, like, even when you, like, don't believe what you see. Because, I mean... This is, this is me, like Dave Karen, like comparing the world to barbering, all right? We're about to get deep philosophy. Let's hear it. All right. Um, so our job as barbers is to make you look a certain way, right? Yeah. 
if anybody knows it, like it's not about everything being the same length. It's about it looking the same yeah. length. <laughs> so in essence, we are illusionists. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like we are trying to make your round head look oval. We are, you know, trying to make something look like it's supposed to be one way, even though it's not really. Like, that's our job. We are temporary magicians. We just don't have magic wands or clippers. Yeah. Um, and we, we work within the realm of physics. So our our whole job is, is perception. Well, that's kind of like, because we, we understand this concept, we can apply it to the world today and go, look, we of all people know and understand that you cannot believe what your eyes are telling you. Yeah, not at all. Like, just because you are seeing the the doomsday flashy panic thing of, like, you know, fight or flight, that's not necessarily reality. Yeah. And here, especially, going, like, you can't believe what you see on whatever box you're looking at. Yeah. It's the believe what's happening in your town yep, it, and to your neighbors still in business yeah you know? and you know you see a lot of hate and anger and, and destruction you go yeah but look at us like we don't have to agree on things yeah that's if I, okay if i can still cut your hair well and i'll still like you as a person oh for sure just because i disagree with how you do your job doesn't mean that you're a horrible guy yep exactly so I think that that offers great reassurance going, look, all right, you know what? Don't get all crazy. Pull it back. Yeah. Bring, bring it back to like where you are now. I go, all right. I like my neighbors. We don't agree on where the fence should be, but we'll still go to church on Sunday. Yep. Like I'm not going to feud with him over something stupid or, you know, temporary. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So I like those things. It's like, you know, let's, let's pause for a second before we get all crazy. It's nice being that stable thing in people's lives, getting a haircut, you know, because lockdown happened and everyone's life just got thrown into a blender and none of the normal things that we did happened anymore. And then when barbershops opened back up again, people were so thankful to get just a little slice of normalcy. And I, I think in addition to that, because that's for sure a major factor, but there is a major difference. Because, I mean, we all have those clients that we see once a quarter. Yeah. There is a major difference between going two months without a haircut and having to go two months without yeah. a haircut. <laughs> exactly. There you go. If you do it because you just lost track of time, mm -hmm. it's fine. But if somebody is constantly reminding you that you are not allowed to do it, yep. you really, 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 really want to do it. <laughs> I feel the same way about chocolate. Like, as soon as I tell myself I can't have chocolate anymore, oh, yeah. I'm like, no, I really, really, really want chocolate. Yep. I really want that pizza from next door. And, oh, oh no. well, I'm going to get it. <laughs> I think that is an oddly American problem. <laughs> we really don't like being told we can't do or have things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially especially here, like the live free or die state. Like yeah. we may have a crappy flag. We may not really care so much about like what color we are as a state. We don't take great pride in a lot of things. But that live free or die, 
we take great pride in and are like, don't mess with our state. Yeah. You came here for a reason. Mm-hmm. You came here for cheap taxes <laughs> and pretty views. You want to live the way you want to? Go for it, but don't make anybody else do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I had this theory of why we had such low COVID numbers this year is because us New Englanders are so salty. And it just the COVID didn't affect us because we just had such an angry demeanor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wall that we spoke of earlier, uh, I mean, five years, that is a thick wall. Yeah. Uh, I find that the average New Englander has about a year-long wall. <laughs> That's your probationary period yep. as an outsider. Yep. As somebody who moved here about 10 years ago. Took about a year. Not horrible, but enough to be like, all right, well... Like, they're not going to be super friendly to just anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they want to make sure that you can stand at least one winter. Yeah. If, if you're here after one winter, you're good. I, I'm going to be surprised with all of these folks moving to New Hampshire from Massachusetts, especially up to northern New Hampshire. And they have never experienced a New Hampshire winter before. And they are not stocked up on firewood or their snow shovels or gloves. Uh, it's going to be an interesting winter. <laughs> Silver lining. Ding, ding. Uh, I'm hoping that our customers' numbers won't be as low as previous winters, though. Yeah. Because we have more people that are living here, technically. Mm -hmm. Though, how have you uh, found with your snowbirds? Like, are they either leaving super early or deciding not to leave until, like, after the holidays? It's kind of a mixed bag. Some of them are staying. It's, like, their first winter in, like, 30 years that they have not gone to Florida. Um, Some of them are staying with family members in New England. Some of them are going to a different state because Florida has such high COVID numbers. It's really a mixed bag. Um, A lot of folks didn't even come home. They just stayed in Florida all year. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I do have – I've lost some snowbirds that have decided to permanently resident in Florida, which I don't blame them because our housing market here in New Hampshire is is, trash. It's – Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> if you have something to sell, sell it. Right now. <laughs> Now's the time. But, man, if you want to buy something, wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't blame them for that because, I mean, good money. Yep. You can literally sell your house in a weekend. Yep. Yeah, my business partner just listed his house today, and I'm guessing it's going to be gone by Monday. I'd, I'd wager Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. It's like one open house and done. Done. Yep. Um, and then I have had some that didn't come back, but I've also we had. It's weird. We usually have a lot more Massachusetts people that have summer homes up here that like we see on a regular basis yep. during the summer, that we didn't end up seeing. I. It's also the same thing in Alton as well. Which is odd considering the amount of population that we had up here and the amount of Massachusetts license plates that we saw. Yep. Yeah, I didn't get this the really the summer clientele that I usually get. I usually get about a twenty five percent jump in business, and it was like fifteen. Um, I think people were just staying in their houses. You know, they were cutting their own hair, or they weren't getting haircuts, or they were just still afraid to go out. Yeah, it's possible. Not on out on the boat though. They were out on the they boat. They were out on boats every day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> I'm curious. What do you think will happen uh, for winter? Because Obviously, our wonderful lake freezing over and dealing with, well, hockey ranks didn't do so well in no, the last few no. weeks. So how do we think pond hockey and, and ice fishing is going to do? 
I think ice fishing is going to be pretty good. I think, I mean, the boating season was, was excellent. The camping season was excellent. Um, ice fishing is great because you can be out with your buddies and you can be out with your own little pod. And nobody's going to complain about you wearing a mask in the winter. No, not at all. Um, I think ice fishing is going to be good. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the ski areas locally. They still haven't figured out. They still haven't figured it out. No. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, New Hampshire's numbers are rising right now. And um, honestly, it's, it, it's kind of hard to go anywhere but up when you're at zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have been, New Hampshire has been so fortunate with COVID numbers. Um, but, you know, as a small business owner, I'm afraid of getting shut down again. I really am. Like, I w- like every day. Yeah. Every single day, I'm like, I'm waiting for that news article to come out. They say barbershops have closed and I am out of income. So <laughs> I will say that on a personal level, and I have informed my barbers of this, uh, I have already made the decision based on that possibility that I will be more than happy to tell the state of New Hampshire uh, to shove it if they ever tell us to close again. Like, I I will pull out that banner of live free or die and go, hey, you know that guy in Michigan? Yeah. Yeah, I stand with that guy. Yep, exactly. Because no more. Yeah. um, With the amount of uh, support and relief that we got because of our unique situation, I feel like self-employed people are the one set that was not covered properly in any sort of relief package. Yep, I didn't get much. It yeah. hurt. It hurt really bad. And it made me question being a barber. It really did. Um, you know, I was looking into other job opportunities because I didn't have any income for three months. Yeah, and I, I was <laughs> I was only very fortunate, number one, because of my experience with dealing with government paperwork. So I felt a lot more comfortable filling out forms that I'd didn't necessarily ever see before um understanding what they were asking for um and though the rest of my barbers had equal opportunity and right to fill out those same applications and i sent them links to do so their comfort level not at the same level and at the time we were all locking down we weren't going to be you know around each other so i couldn't really help them um but also I was fortunate to my father was like in a financial position at that time. I'd say for the first time in my life to be able to help financially. And this, that was like the first time in my life I've ever asked my parents to help me since moving out of their house at 18. Like I'm an absurdly independent individual and that took some, some humbling Yep. Um, I, I can say the same. Um, I am so thankful for my family and my parents. Um, if it wasn't for them, I would have not have made this. I would not be a barber right now if it wasn't for their support. So very thankful for that. And, um, you know, this, this whole experience is, has made me realize that family and friends is all we got. And you should rely on the family you have and be thankful for that. God, I'm like getting emotional over here, and um, it's it's really hit home this year of how important family is. Well, the the things we learned and realized in March and April, I feel like some people, it's like decades ago for them in their mind now. Yeah, I'm like, do you do you not remember how much worse 
yeah. you felt, like psychologically speaking, oh, yeah. lockdown, way worse on everybody's mind because there was so much uncertainty, mm-hmm. so much we did not know, and so much fear and isolation. That like as bad as things are right now, it was pretty bad. I'm still okay right now. Yeah, <laughs> compared to then, I mean. I reacted to things locked down a little bit differently than the average person, but that's because I'm weird. Um, that's my own uh, genetic makeup. <laughs> but still, like, I mean, I had to go into problem solver mode. Like, yeah. man, if I got to turn to a robot, that was the time I got to turn to a robot. <laughs> I got 10 things to do. I'm going to get them all done. Yeah. And nobody has to be nice about it. But I, I, I was uh, very thankful for having my daughter. Um, during lockdown, I saw her every single day other than Thursdays. That's awesome. And, you know, it was frustrating and it was, as a parent, everyone knows, it's frustrating and a pain in the butt. And you just, at the end of the day, you're just so exhausted. But when I went back to work that first day on Tuesday, I realized, I'm like, oh my God, I will never have three months with my daughter every single day. And I was so thankful for that. And we have such a great bond now because of what happened. Oh, and especially like three into four. Oh, yeah. Those big doings. <laughs> that's, that's formative years, man. Formative. Yeah. Uh, she just had a birthday on Tuesday. And I never thought I'd be the dad who got my daughter a Barbie dream house. But I bought her a Barbie dream house. And I set it up at like midnight last week. And she was so friggin' happy when she woke up that morning. It was awesome. Yay! It was awesome. <laughs> Come on, you knew when you had a daughter you would be screwed. Oh, uh, God. It's so good, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for you guys to play dress up together and see pictures on social media. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> glitter in the beard. Oh, I'm, I'm fine with glitter in the beard. Sounds like a good time. Yeah! Just make sure it's not like gel glitter. Oh, gosh. You'll never get it out. <laughs> well, has has your daughter like seen you work? Yeah. Um, so last year she hung out in the shop, I don't know, once or twice a week. She'd hang out for an hour or so if someone had to do an appointment or if someone was babysitter and needed something to do. So yeah, she would sit and like watch movies and she knows I cut hair, she knows what I do. She's still a little confused because you know, she's four. <laughs> Um, she has a right to be. Yeah, but she she knows I'm a barber and she knows I cut hair and I talk to people and, um, yeah, she's a good she's a good kid. She ever tried to do it yet? Uh, and she has not tried to cut hair yet. Oh, good. I nor if I cut her hair, um, it is uh, almost down to her lower back and it is uh, got a nice curl to it, nice wave to it, and it's just beautiful. It's finally long enough for all of her bangs go back into a ponytail, which I'm very thankful for. <laughs> <clears throat> have you learned to braid yet? I have not learned to braid, but I'm very good at a ponytail. <laughs> getting there. Something everybody can do. Yeah, I'm getting there. That's why I don't have long hair anymore. Yeah, as a, as a, as a man with very short hair for all of my life, uh, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> I now have hair ties in every single part of my life, in all of my pockets, in my car, in my room. They're everywhere. Smart. <laughs> feel the same way about sunglasses and masks now. <laughs> If there's a crevice, put a mask, put a hair tie, and put sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to need it. <laughs> and snacks. <laughs> as long as they're non-perishable. Oh, man. Well, that's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that you guys have uh, gone through the year like 
pretty well considering. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been a ride. It's definitely been a ride. How are you thinking the holiday season's going to go? I honestly can't say. I don't, I don't know. It's the, give me a couple of weeks and we'll find out. Yeah, give me till, yeah, give me till next week. We'll find out what happens. <laughs> it's like the, you know, the last episode of Lost. <laughs> what's going to happen next week? Honestly, this, this like, whole ride has been a, just a terrible reality show. Here, here's the reality for it, though. Next week has nothing to do with it because you're not going to get an answer. No, no, you're not at all. You're not, you're not going to get it until like end of December, probably. Yep. <laughs> I feel like that's the, that's the ultimate like lie people tell themselves. It's kind of like, you know, that warm front that we get in February. Oh yeah. It's so nice. You it's need to like finally take off your jacket and second, wear a t-shirt in the Second to third week. In the 40s. And everybody's like, oh, spring, spring <laughs> is coming early this year. And we're like, No. It's not. It's it never the next week. Never comes early. It never comes in February. Spring is at the end of May in New Hampshire. Yep, yep, just about right. And that little like warm spell in February—that's Mother Nature. That's Mother Nature going. I know the hell I'm putting you through, <laughs> so I'm gonna give you a little breather right now. And then we're gonna dive into winter part two. Mm-hmm. So that's what the election is, and that whole, like, lying to yourself about uh, November 3rd, like, all right, well, after that. Things have changed. Things will change, no. and, and we'll know one way or another, good or bad. There you go. No, no. Mm-mm. This is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Part deux. <laughs> all of 2020. <laughs> you want to know what's going to happen? You just have to decide, and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> so that's what I've decided. So I don't have to worry about an election other than the fact that I have to work at the polls because yep. I'm a poll volunteer. <clears throat> and I have to tell you, because it's past me, so smart. Past me in February when I was working in the primary. <laughs> I went on my schedule because I always do appointments, pandemic or not. And I went and blocked off a half a day. <laughs> On Wednesday, November 4th. <laughs> and then I forgot about it. Oh, nice. And then I went back and was looking at my schedule coming up. And I was like, why do I have a half day? <laughs> and I'm like, couldn't think for life of me. I was like, did I talk to somebody that was like doing a thing? And then block it off. And then COVID happened. And I totally forgot. And probably ain't happening anyway. And I was like, <laughs> what was it? What was it about? I didn't specify. And I was like, oh, wait. It's the day of the election. <laughs> Maybe past me was smart and thought it's going to be a late night yep, definitely. and I want to sleep in. <laughs> so go past me. I'm so happy. <laughs> Just kept it. Wednesdays are slow day anyway. It's not going to affect anything. Yeah. Oh, man. What is your slow day? Um, Wednesdays. Okay. I'm glad. Wednesdays. Somebody who's like, you're open. What? I'm open Tuesday through Friday. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Traditional, typical barber hours. Yep. I'm glad that that is not like a, a weird, like if you're open six days a week, you're going to have a weird lull in the middle. Yeah. Um, I have, I've had all kinds of hours in the last eight years. Um, I, you know, was open. I was working like 12 hour days when I first started barbering. Yeah. That was a little much. Yeah. A little much. But you know what? I learned a lot of great things. And I made a lot of great money, and um, I was very happy I did it. 
and you know, got married and changed my hours from then, and then got divorced, changed my hours again, and then took a lot of custody of my child, changed my hours again. Um, and now my my only late night past five o'clock is on Thursdays, and I have no child on Thursdays, so I can I can I can show up at the shop at six o'clock and I can work till nine o'clock, and um, so Thursdays are usually my good day. Where I can bust out as many haircuts as I want to, without having to like drop everything and go pick up my kid or deal with some sort of situation that has happened. Well, that's great for you know, especially right now with appointments going. Yeah. When you went in, Thursday. Yep, Thursday. Let me squeeze you in. Yep, perfect. <laughs> I'm there all day. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I'm so glad that you had an opportunity to come up and see me because obviously this is a Thursday night. It's great. And you're free. <laughs> Well, if you ever need anything, you know you can always oh, yeah. come here. Uh, I'm very thankful for the gloves that you gave me at the beginning of <laughs> did COVID. Did they fit? Uh, they did fit. They did. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's been a, pro- uh, a common problem here. I have some barbers that have cat paws. Oh, yeah. The fingers, t- fine. The paws that are like massive. I've actually got to order more gloves coming up soon. Uh, the price of gloves have doubled. Really? Yeah. Or I was getting them, they doubled. So, I was like, "Where you get?" I mean, I still can't get barberside wipes to save my life. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> the glove company that I was using has um, been back ordered since May. Yep. Well. Yeah. Well. Well, uh, if if you need a filler box, I got okay, extras. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is one of those things. Like we're good with, like, clipper spray. Yep, I got so much clipper spray. Oh, and, and Sally's is like, we've got all kinds. Yeah. We've got clipper side. We've got five in one. They're red. We've, we've got, got the barbicide. orange. We've got all of them. What smell do you want? <laughs> Tyler is very particular. He's a clipper side man. Yeah. I'll just go with a five in one. On a yeah, fine. five in one is great for me. Although, have you noticed th- when I spray my five in one and wearing my mask, I, I get a different smell in my mask? I feel like it like attaches to my mask and I smell it a little longer. I'm I will sure. say it is more potent. Yeah. Not a different smell, yeah. but it is definitely there. Yeah, it's, I'm not really sure what the mask does to the 5-in-1, but it's a little different. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, like, more noticeable. Yeah. I still try and, like, do the whole, yeah. like, <laughs> below. Spray as little as possible directly on what you're disinfecting, and that's it. Um, so yesterday, one of the community Facebook groups, someone was giving away um, five packages of bright pink disposable masks and i snagged all of them uh just in case one of my old man clients needs a mask and (laughs) and i said well sir i've got this bright pink one and that's all i've got and you've got to wear it (laughs) oh i love it things we do to entertain ourselves oh for sure i will say with the comes to masks especially with the stuff we have to go through my barber gina she has gotten very creative when it comes to finding masks that she really enjoys wearing. Yep. And the majority of hers are disposable, which means like if there's, she has a kid in her chair, yeah. she gets a lot of them. Um, she gets Star Wars ones. Oh, awesome. Yeah. She got ones with pineapples on them and like, like cool stuff. And she, her face is literally small enough to fit on a kid's mask. Yeah. <laughs> so it's perfect. Um, but so she's been really into that. Yay for Star Wars because she had converted to Star Wars during lockdown. If it wasn't for lockdown, she probably never would have had time <laughs> to dive into that. And now she's just all about it. 
there's been a local lady in New Durham, the town next to me, and she's been making all of my masks for me. And really? she has great patterns, and I've got all these cool space ones, and all these cool plaid ones, and paisley stuff, and uh, they've been really awesome. Oh, and I'm just that corporate junkie that's like, Disney made masks! <laughs> <laughs> they can match my sweatshirt! Uh, so now my beard is long enough where it hangs out below my mask. So it adds this whole nother dimension to my face. I got the mask and I got the hair and then I got this beard that just dangles down like two inches below it. Have you, have you had with customers them like, uh, specifying for their beard trims that you make it so they don't have mask face? Um, I've actually, I've not done beard trims. I've stopped, I've stopped doing it. I, I didn't feel comfortable, um, you know, I've got a young child and I've got old parents who I see every day. Um, I, I had just, I've stopped doing beard trims. Understandable. Yep. We have one barber, like he'll do a beard trim, but he won't, he won't do like prolonged services like yep. shaves and stuff, even yep. though we're allowed to do them. And that's everybody's choice. You know, it's all about preference and you know how comfortable you are. Um, but that is something for, for beard trims that I do is like, can you make it like full, but can you make it so that I don't get that line with oh, the yeah. mask my, my beard gets just straight matted and it's all like tangly and gross and i always have to brush it after i take my mask off <laughs> that is it's one of those things it's like so unintended for the consequences for things oh, yeah. but it's like oh we have to adapt that my mustache i have to keep my mustache short because the my mask yeah. it sits on my mustache and it just tickles and it makes the smell <laughs> worse and I, I oh my god it's terrible oh yeah uh tyler was like bugging earlier. He, his, his mustache was bugging him in the mask. He wears the disposable ones too. So they got the fuzzies on the inside yeah. that your facial hair will just like attach to Ugh. like Velcro. And then it just like slowly shimmies the more you talk. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to write a mask pamphlet or no, a pamphlet about things you need to know about growing a beard. Yeah. <laughs> you will eat it. Oh, you yeah. will wake up and you will be eating it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you will floss with it accidentally. It will be wet when you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and you will never know why. Oh, God. Yeah, it will get caught in your zipper or your buttons at a certain point, and it's going to hurt. <laughs> uh, Especially now we're getting into fall and it's cold. You have to be careful. You've got you to put your chin up to zip up because gonna, it's going to get oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's going to get it. I feel like that's just as bad as, like, catching anything else in a zipper. Yeah, if you had, like, longer hair as, as a woman or as a man with long hair, too. Uh, oh, gosh. I, I I took out a big dreadlock last week. Oh, yeah. No, you this week. that picture. This week. Tell the story. Um, this man came in, and he had, like, a longer ponytail and a baseball cap, and he had just gotten out of the hospital. He had been there for almost three months. He got hit by a car on his bicycle. And um, he had this very large dreadlock that had happened to him during his hospital visit. And I guess none of the nurses or none of the doctors took care of his dreadlock. So he had longer hair, probably down to his mid-back. And he came in. He was like, what can we do about this? And I just, like, I hemmed and hawed. And I was like, what what am I going to do? Like, I really just want to cut it off (laughs) just to be satisfying. But But it it was, like, the size of. Yeah, it was, like. Like a like an old school pager, like it was. There you go. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I hope you guys know what a pager looks like. Um, so uh, you know, I I combed out the rest of his hair. It was matted and 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 it was pretty bad. Combed it all out, made everything even, and then went to work on this dreadlock. 
and I like I was like splitting it apart with my shears and trying to comb it out, and I ended up taking most of the dreadlock out, saving it. But his long hair was long enough where if you put it back in a ponytail, you couldn't even notice that he had been missing a whole bunch of hair. But he was so happy, and he was said his sleeping was going to be great because he wasn't have to lay on it. Um, you know, I charged him ten bucks, and he, he walked out of the door happy. Nice. Yep. Well, I mean, because it's preserving as much hair as you can. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That is one of those things. Like, not a lot of people are willing to to deal with that. Yeah, no. I like. I talked to another barber in another state. He's like, nah, I don't deal with dreadlocks. <laughs> I was like, but you know, Why? this guy, this guy needed help. He needed his haircut, and he was down on his luck. Like, uh, yeah, of course, I'll. I will try my best to take care of whatever you got going on. Well, especially when it's the back of your head, it's like like dealing with somebody with a comedone on a neck. Oh yeah. Like, it, you can't expect them to deal with it. They can't see it. Can't see it. Yeah. But I mean, and that is such a. It's one of those like little mercies yeah it's like we are fully capable of solving this problem oh yeah and not by just buzzing it off of them yep like we take a little time we take a little patience yep we fix it uh, especially with somebody who usually rocks long hair going look it's not his fault like he wasn't taken care of properly while he was in the hospital yeah like can you expect somebody who's been hit by a car (laughs) in any capacity to brush yeah to brush any sort of hair Yeah. yeah But he was happy, and uh, he had a smile on his face, and I hope he comes back. You know, I really do. He seemed like a nice guy. Awesome. <laughs> the dreadlock incident of, of week, end of October. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Yeah. Why we take pictures. <laughs> Sometimes. I have a bad habit of not doing that. <laughs> but I, at the same time, like, every once in a while, we'll get those um, those unique individuals that require some more privacy and patience. Yeah. That is another nice thing I like about my room and probably a fortunate thing having a one chair shop Definitely. and being appointments right now is that that privacy is not just like for having conversations, but it's also like, you know what, somebody might not be comfortable. Like they might have to go through a change oh, yeah. that they're not necessarily prepared for but needs to happen. I've gotten more comedones during during this year. Yeah? Than any any time I was in eight years of barbering. Because it's just me and the other guy in the shop. There's not three other dudes kind of judging or thinking about it or like, you know, it's kind of tough to be like, hey, dude, quiet, like, you've got a really big comedone in the back of your head. I'm going to get it. When there's three dudes in the shop, it's kind of embarrassing for some guys. Oh, I straight up go. Oh, no, but yeah. But now <laughs> now it's just me in the shop and the other client. I'm like, hey, dude, you got a comedone. I'm getting it for you. And they, they feel a little more comfortable, you know? I don't even tell them it's a comedone anymore. Mm. I just tell them, hey, I'm going to take care of something on the back of your neck real quick. <laughs> and it'll either feel like a pinch or it'll feel like I'm stabbing you in the brain. Yeah. <laughs> you cool with that? All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely one of my favorite parts of the job is getting rid of comedones. I, I had a guy who had, you, you know how you get um, mechanics and stuff? Yes. Who, like, you can just tell some part of their profession or maybe it's yep. just their complexion where, like, they get quite a few comedones around yes. the neck. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They can't see. Like, yeah. how are they supposed to take care of that? I, I had one that was like that today. I was like, and he, it only was the second time in the shop ever. I was like, all right, look, I'm going to take care of something on your neck. I'll either stab you in the brain or it'll pinch a little bit. <laughs> he's like, okay. And then I go after it and he's like, so do you guys find that like gross? Because <laughs> I, 
he figured out what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, I just consider it to be a service that, you know, we offer because, I mean, you're at a disadvantage. You don't know this is yeah. going on. We, we, our, our territory is from the collar up, you know? Well, you know, it's our responsibility for their hair and their skin. So yeah. it's like, look, if you got a comedone and heaven forbid it gets infected oh, under yeah. there Ugh. or, you know, even just having a hair stuck under there. You're like stretching the opening of your follicle. Oh, yeah. That is so not good. My clipper blade could get stuck in that oh, eventually. Oh, God, yep. I had a guy last week, a mechanic. He had this very large comedone. It was very raised. And I was working on it and working on it. And I finally got the top layer of comedone out. And there was still stuff in there. So I stuck my tweezers in there. And there was a whole bunch of ingrown hairs underneath the comedone. And I'm just like grinning from ear to ear because it's just so satisfying. <laughs> Andrew finds it satisfying. I would not use that word, <laughs> but that's okay. I actually never used a comedone extractor on anybody during barber school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ever. Mostly because of my... Uh, I did not like how enthusiastic <laughs> our I'm, instructor was yeah definitely some of that enthusiasm has passed on to me definitely <laughs> <laughs> but i also remember uh tyler being the subject oh yeah of a lot of extractions yep and i was no like mercy if i'm not willing to put myself in that position to endure that then i'm not gonna put anybody <laughs> else through that <laughs> but eventually when you you know do a bunch of skin fades and flat tops all day. Yep. It's just like, technically, I did this to you because mm-hmm. of the abrasiveness of this service. Oh, yeah. So, all right. I, I'll consider it to be like a service to you because either I caused it or because you can't see it. Yep. Uh, one of Mr. C's favorite expressions after removing a comedone was, "It de- that didn't hurt me one bit. <sighs> and I've, I've used that a few times, uh, getting out a, a big one. It's like, oh, that didn't hurt me at all. And they always chuckle. And they, I think I'm just the weirdest barber ever. And see, I can't get away with that because <laughs> that's just not my personality. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to be brutally honest and go, look, either it's going to hurt a lot because I have no mercy because this just needs to get done. <laughs> Or it'll just pinch a little bit. And I don't know which one. Because I've had Marines that cried in the chair. And I've had, like, kids that were like, I didn't feel anything. Yeah. (laughs) You never know. It's a lottery. Yep, that's true. Every day. Well, all right, Andrew. It was so nice having you here. It's it's great being here. I really hope that we don't go a couple years again. No. (laughs) Like we did. Yeah, for sure. But, uh we're going to keep an eye on you on social media because it may not be barbering related at all times, but I still keep track. It's like never barber related. <laughs> so. That was the thing that was outside the barber shop that happened. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. I, it counts. I'm, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> no, I'm not getting revved up again. All right. Well, uh, we hope that you continue to listen and we're going to keep an eye on you. Thanks for coming and talking to me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brie. It was great being here. Thank you.